Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, I'm Bonnie D. Graham here with Automotive Insiders Podcast presented by OESA. Today I have the privilege and the pleasure of speaking with two gentlemen who are veterans of the automotive industry. We're going to get their insights on the current state of suppliers and automotive and find out what's going on from their perspective. So I'm welcoming in just a moment Bill Newman at SAP. He serves as North America Executive Industry Advisor. And we're also joined by Mike Latkovic, a Vice President at Capgemini, the North America Market Leader for Automotive Suppliers. Welcome, Bill. Welcome, Mike. How are both of you? Good, Bonnie. How are you? Good. Mike, how are you doing? Absolutely fantastic. Hunkered down here in Charlotte, staying safe, staying home. I think that's what we're all doing. And now let's get a little introduction. Bill Newman, I I like to say on radio when you join me, in case there's at least one person around the world who doesn't know who Bill Newman is, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do and what makes you an expert in this field, Bill? Hey, Bonnie, thanks. And uh, good to be with you and Mike and the OESA team today. So uh, Bill Newman here, I've got over 30 years of experience in uh, automotive industry, but across manufacturing, planes, trains, and automobiles. Um, In my role at uh, SAP, I like to say that I'm a a customer advocate. So I'm working with a lot of the OE brands and suppliers to understand what their current and future capabilities are, what their needs are, um, how can we best help them, uh, advise them accordingly, and uh, put uh, put folks together who can uh, help them uh, grow and uh, be successful moving forward. So it's very fulfilling. Good to be with you again. Thank you. Grow and be successful. Those are our key words today at this very challenging time for everybody and industries as well. Mike Lakovic, welcome. Why don't you tell us what you do and what's the importance of this topic to you? Thanks, Bonnie. Like Bill, a student of the industry, 20 plus years within automotive and manufacturing, also planes, trains, and automobiles. And, uh, you know, our responsibility is to drive value for our customers. So we uh, partner and service uh, to help our customers grow their top line, reduce bottom line, be more adaptive, uh, and in a lot of cases, introduce new technology. And, and, and in this case, and a little bit germane for today, is deal with disruptions. And certainly we are seeing disruptions in our market, and we believe that's going to continue for quite some time. Uh, so today's conversation is uh, paramount to all of our customers, including our suppliers and our OEs, of course. Thank you very much. Good to speak with you again, Mike. Bill and Mike, I have four statements here. I'm going to read a statement. We'll start off with Bill and then ask Mike for his POV and feel free to agree or disagree with each other. That's fine. We want a lively conversation here. This is about the state of the industry and where things are going. And let's see if we can eke out some optimism in here. I think we'll be able to. So statement number one, impacts on vehicle revenue in 2020 will be off 20 to 30% for the year based on the COVID-19 scenario. Bill Newman, let's get your perspective on this, please. Well, thanks again, Bonnie. I think everybody should take a deep breath and understand that, first of all, um, you know, we're 
we're doing what we need to do as an industry and we're taking the measures that are needed to get people back to work safely. Uh, I think it's also important to note that while we might be dealing on the make side and build side of a kind of what we people are calling a 10 month year, uh, there are critical parts and essential parts of the automotive supply chain that haven't stopped making parts and vehicles, particularly those in some of the agricultural products uh, uh, supply chains that uh, OESA members are, are also actively engaged. So uh, if you if you have a look and, and uh, the, the weekly survey that OESA provides shows that a minimum of 10% of companies are still producing vehicles and there are other plants that also never stopped making vehicles because they were either uh, slow or late in their areas to have stay in place or uh, stay at home orders made. Um, we're still working. So the question is now, how do we go back to work and when do we go back to work at scale safely? And I think that if you look at uh, IHS market and some of the other, um, some of the other projections, you know, if we can get back up to that $15, $16 million run rate by the end of the year where everybody's back to work, a lot of tailwinds, kind of that sharp V recovery curve people are looking at, that'll be nothing short of a miracle. But, you know, the automotive industry has done that before. So that's the good news. Um, some of the headwinds that we'll see, you know, we're going to have to, you know, and I think we'll get into it, we're going to have to work a little differently when it comes to actually how we go about doing our jobs. And, you know, again, I think people are going to be very thoughtful about how we we do that. But uh, make mo no mistake, the industries are going to get different looks at this. And I think automotive is going to be on the forefront and showing people how you go back to work based on our industry experience, based on what we've seen already with China going back to work at scale. So um, like to say, like to be cautiously optimistic at this point in time. Wise position. Thank you. I like the way you said safely and at scale. I think those are key words in this conversation. Mike Latkovic, what would you like to add? Interesting perspective from Bill. It, it, it is. And, and, and I won't I won't repeat some of uh, what Bill said. Agree with where he's at. Um, I'm interested to see coming out of this. I think there are going to be a few very interesting impacts that uh, uh, we'll see how they evolve. But number one is the customer and the dealership experience. I'm actually in the market myself. And uh, I will tell you that, um, ironically, my customer experience has actually improved. There's more phone calls, uh, text message-based selling. I have an appointment. They brought the vehicle to me, let me keep it overnight. Um, so ironically, it's actually, for me, it's actually been a better experience. And I anticipate that some of these changes will persist. Uh, alternatively, uh, if you're 20 to 30% down on the new market vehicle side, I am interested to see how the aftermarket vehicle side now shifts, right? So I think people might uh, be a little bit hesitant to get back into the market, also optimistic like Bill, but does this cause us to um, shy away from, you know, the premium newer versions and maybe look for a two or three or four year old vehicle? Um, so e either way, our industry tends to adapt and I, I completely agree with Bill, uh, tends to adapt very, very well. Um, you know, the other, the other kind of dynamic that I would expect or, or I think we, we might expect to continue is in fact how the OEs and the suppliers work together on managing these disruptions moving forward. The supply chain contingency plan, I think we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, we anticipate that to continue. And so while we are all hopeful that the world gets back to operating order as quickly as possible, certainly some of the outcome of this uh, is going to remain. And for the really smart companies that are out there, 
they're going to use this as the opportunity to make some of the adjustments we've all been talking about, but maybe have been a little hesitant to do. Uh, very interesting to see who will be the, the, the winners from all of this. Very interesting. Mike, would you go so far as to say that that new, what you, you described as the new personal experience could be a new business model that will persist and perpetuate for some companies in automotive? Would, could we be optimistic about that? I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so, because I think change is very difficult. And certain elements of our industry, of course, have been a little a bit of a laggard to change. Um, although I will say I have been pleased with how fast we've all been responding to this. The one thing is we might be slow to change, but when push comes to shove, uh, our, our industry seems to be extremely flexible when we need to. So we can all be very proud of ourselves for that. Thank you. Good opening statement from both of you. Let's move on. I have another statement here. Let me start with Mike on this one. Uh, I'm going to make a statement. Let's see what you think. Auto companies are planning to go back to work with or without a COVID-19 vaccine. Worker health and safety will be paramount. How we work will be very different. Mike Latkovic. Uh, I certainly hope that all companies determine a way to keep everyone safe. There certainly will be, I'm no health expert, we'll have to ask Dr. Fauci for that, but there certainly will be some continued uh, exposure, some concern, uh, certain physical uh, health risks that are just posed. And by the way, not anything necessarily that our industry hasn't already dealt with over the past 100 plus years. And we've been on the forefront of a lot of uh, machinations of, of, of worker safety and sort of having to deal with the implicit danger of being around heavy equipment heavy moving components, vehicles flying all over the place. Uh, so I think we'll be able to adjust pretty quickly. Having said that, I do think that we'll probably see some kind of a rolling increase in production. I, I just don't see everyone coming back to work on day one. I assume there'll be some kind of a, a uh, production sequence that takes into account some measure of social distancing, uh, maybe slip shifts or, or even spacing out of, of, of physical manufacturing capabilities. Um, certainly PPE, you know, right now we, we know you can read the news, there's a shortage of PPE. And, and, and when we get some of that back in, you'll start to see more people wear the type of equipment. But uh, this is part of our industry. It's part of the heritage of who we are. I think we'll be able to handle it pretty effectively. Thank you very much. Bill, I have the same statement for you. What do you think about the way we work, the way the people in automotive work? Will it be very different? Well, I think so. And to echo Mike's point, I do think that we're going to see a rolling uh, return to work schedule. Frankly, I think state and provincial governments are going to have a lot to say about that because each one of them has the mandate, at least in North America, as to uh, when to relax the shelter in place and stay at home rules. So, Following those and uh, also factoring in uh, something else very interesting, you know, we we do talk to a number of the of the brand OEs, and we're we're beginning to understand that some of them have a pretty high capacity of um, of finished goods, you know, cars that were being made as the uh, the wind down began to happen, and uh, you know, if you look at you know typical oversupply scenarios. Some of that stock is going to have to be whittled down. I think Mike's right. We're going to end up seeing some pretty good consumer-facing opportunities for 0% financing, getting into vehicles for 60, 72, even 84 months. 
Um, and I think the, that the, the winners are some of those highly capitalized brand companies and their supply chains that can frankly go out and buy market share maybe for the, you know, a big, a big chance and once in a generation. In terms of, of working, once we do flip on the lights back on a plant, I think we're going to rely on our industrial engineers to really come through, as has been said before, to make some serious adjustments. Um, on a podcast earlier, a webinar earlier in the month uh, with Car Group and OESA, and I invite the listeners to, to listen to that on demand as well, um, there was talk about uh, geo-tracking of people if they were to test positive in a potential second wave of, uh, of coronavirus or um, or frankly, if they were coming to work with a fever, I don't. I think that that's going to be a big shift in how we come to work. If you're not well, you're going to be asked to stay home and not work. And companies are going to have to figure out a way to make sure that um, there's appropriate uh, HR policies in place so that uh, you know um, disciplinary actions perhaps are a bit more relaxed. Because frankly, you're taking one for the team and for the plant and for the country when you you know, don't expose, you know, other people to potentially uh, um, harmful viruses. So um, I think you're going to see some spacing, you know, kind of at the micro level, some work cell redesign. This is, this is again, though, this is stuff that we have very highly trained and talented industrial and manufacturing engineers on site for. I'll just add one final point. I do think that there's going to be some flexibility needed in terms of being able to do Maybe not lot size of one production of, of parts, but definitely small, small batch, flexible small batch of parts as, as companies do have to temporarily close plants and disinfect them. Uh, the supply chain of certain critical parts will need to be uh, consistent and we'll need to have different sources for those parts, whether they're a different location in the same supplier ecosystem or whether a backup supplier elsewhere. And I think um, brands are going to take a harder look at that moving forward in their supply management practices. So those are just a couple, a few things that come to mind. Thank Bill, you. just to build on build on that one concept, something you said brought to mind the the, the high potential that we're going to accelerate our our adoption of even more automation uh, on the shop floor. So we speak about IoT. You know, what if what if someone leaves their their work cell for a minute? Are we going to be able to absorb even that micro impact? And I think back to your point, there could be, especially in the you know midterm here, uh, it could be a, a, an impact on 3PLs or, or even the suppliers holding more buffer stock. I think there's still going to be sort of that just in time to the, the, the final assembly line. But the question is, where is the buffer going to be built? And, and I don't know that anyone's really gotten that figured out, but but we would agree, Bill, with you that there's there's going to have to be some more contingency safety stock built into the system, at least in the midterm, to be able to address those micro disruptions. Thank you both. Good conversation. I'm going to shift this from looking at the inside to looking outward now. I have another statement. Bill, let me start with you. Suppliers need to ensure that communication is at a very high level with customers to deploy restart and back to work timeline. So let's look outward to the customers. Bill, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that the, the only, the hardest, perhaps the most expensive and hardest thing that you can do when you, um, with a plant beyond getting a plant up and going originally is to um, furlough, shut it down and then restart it. It's very expensive. Um, it has to be very well coordinated in terms of resources, not just human, but material. 
So I, I think that communication is uh, is very important. You know, as as we said earlier in this program, not everybody's going to go back to work on day one, right? There's going to have to be some rolling schedules. Um, there could be some essential workers going in to prep the plant first before the rest of the supplier team comes in. So I do think that there's going to be uh, the need to, uh, to, to do that. And communication is going to be very, very important. Um, different OE brands are going to have different on, you know, roll-on timeframes for different supplier plants based on the parts they make, the products they serve, and the, uh, the market uh, segment that they're selling the vehicles into. Um, so it's, it's probably good word to the wise to just not assume that, Everybody's going back to work on day one and that uh, there could even be some some staggering in terms of, like Mike said, shifts or even um, lines within a particular plant uh, based on what those uh, schedules communicated from the um, from the OE customers might be. Thank you, Bill. Mike Lakovic, join me. What do you think? So this is going to be an interesting few months. The supply chain in automotive from the demand side through the OEs, and then of course, cascading the suppliers over time has been scientifically optimized to a finite degree. And we flipped the whole thing upside down now in just you know a few short weeks. Uh, on top of that, now we're, we're uh, as OEs are you know, forecasting, we, we, we've now changed the entire market dynamic. So we've had all these plans in place for months, maybe in some, in some model of your cases, years, uh, so we would anticipate the OEs are now going to have to take a very hard look at what their mix will be uh, on different models. Uh, they'll also have to look at where they're restarting that th- those lines and what kind of options and adjustments we can expect. So the flow down of the suppliers is going to be, uh, we're going to say, a difficult one. Mm-hmm. And the suppliers, of course, will have to respond by looking at their mix and volumes and their global networks figure out exactly how they're going to respond to that. And I think this is going to be quite the test of seeing if in certain cases we over-optimize. Have we, have we become dependent on such a finite degree of stability that we might not be able to really effectively react to this? Um, so I would expect that over the next 90, 120 uh, plus days, there to be a lot of, of, we talk about communication, I'll say cycles on trying to figure out exactly what's going to be built and when, because whatever forecast anyone had is gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a whole new replanning cycle. And I think that's going to be extremely, I think it'll be exceedingly difficult. Uh, and I think a lot of our customers are going to, you know, some are going to stand out as having been more ready than others. It'll be interesting to see kind of who was really ready to deal with some disruption and and who wasn't. Yeah, if I could just jump in and comment on that um, point, Mike, you made. Um, You know, we all have our ears to the ground, and I was was speaking to somebody who's with a a large brand OE uh, responsible for um, building um, uh, new new product and testing new product as a part of the uh, incoming – model year, and uh, that individual's budget was zeroed out. So I think it's important to see, you know, coming back around, you know, any forecast that you had and, and, and even, you know, the anticipated new models coming out in the fall that require line changes historically in July, 
all bets are off right now. We we really are starting from a zero, a point zero replan, and uh, probably going into uh, a twelve month plan going into uh, twenty one at this point in time. Um, but that 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 last point was just my gut talking after hearing at least you know this one data point from a very large OE. Um, uh, representative saying that, yeah, we, we pretty much are done with, uh, with a new product introduction, at least in my area for the year. It was pretty shocking. Mm. Dramatic time for everyone. I have one more statement I'm going to read. And uh, Bill, let's start with you and then we'll go back to Mike. I've heard that some manufacturers are changing their decisions about the technology they put in their cars this year to help streamline production, and we've touched on some of that. This means there will be winners and there will be losers in the supplier space, especially in the downstream. Supply chain continuity and flexibility will be key for suppliers to be successful. Bill, what will be the dividing line between winners and losers? Will it be agility? Will it be flexibility? Will it be other other qualifications that require them to be done to be in the winner column? What do you think? Well, I think it's going to be all of the above. Like we said, you know, we're kind of taking a fresh look at everything. I, I think OESA members can can rest assured that those that are, again, very tightly coupled into their customer value chains, have good communication, who are, you know, on their daily, twice a day calls with their customers, you know, I think that they're going to be in pretty good shape. I worry about the downstream tier X suppliers that that have very low margins to begin with. I was uh, on on the phone earlier today with uh, with a supplier representative, and uh, you know we were talking about you know what happens if one of those critical downstream suppliers um, has fiscal challenges or they don't have the flexibility in terms of building certain products that we were talking about earlier. You know, is that something that this particular supplier was going to have to go in and basically either remediate or, you know, potentially even take over the supplier? I, I think there will be some of those. Um, there will be some casualties in the deep supply chain. Uh, but again, I think communication, good planning, um, agility and flexibility to build and deliver parts are, are going to be um, what really carries, you know, suppliers through. And, um, you know, whether or not that has to do with how you're staging in certain technologies, I think everything's going to be on the table at least, you know, for the next 12 to 16 months. Thank you for the projection, Bill. Mike Lakovic, last word, what do you see? So I'll segment this kind of into, you know, short term and maybe the medium to long term. In the short term, OESA has already indicated that there's, you know, negotiations going on with the OEs on, on absorbing the impact of all of this. And to Bill's point, um, some suppliers are going to be uh, better positioned to absorb some of this impact than others. And there could be some significant impacts. We just don't know. But in the short term, we, we clearly see over the next, you know, whatever the number of months uh, this disruption will be significant. You know, whether the another sort of observation of OESA has really been around um, what's going to happen in, in kind of the long term, and especially with these you know, sort of longer term agreements uh, with the OEMs. I wonder, and I actually anticipate that we're going to start seeing supply chain uh, planning and contingency or continuity planning built into these relationships and start to see some new flow down concepts um, so that we can potentially begin to absorb these. You know, one of the sort of broad dynamics, and we've been talking about this, Bill and I have and others for quite some time, 
is we, 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 we cliche use this word disruption, but disruption is no longer disruption. It is now just how we operate. And, and so I think we're, this may finally be that call to action for, you know, our OEs, our, our upper supply chain, uh, upper, upper chain suppliers to start to build into organically the concept of how we manage through these different disruptions, trade wars, economic crises. Now we can add pandemics to the list. Uh, we don't see this changing. And in the long term, and maybe it's not as long term as we anticipate, we certainly see changes to the global manufacturing construct. I think what, what this situation has really illuminated is almost a dependency on a hyper-focused uh, supply chain with a very limited number of sources of supply. So I would certainly anticipate uh, most companies to start saying, how do we rethink a little bit? I don't know that we'll see extreme gyrations, but how do we rethink some of our hedging in terms of our, our single or co-sourced uh, either you know commodity input products or even even smaller units into something a little bit broader, uh, and and we'll we'll see what that happens. But I think uh, you know Bill, I'll speak kind of on on behalf. I think both of us. I think we would agree. We don't see us going back to business as usual. We we do both certainly anticipate this to have a a, a longer term impact on real supply chain you know decision making, commercial constructs, financial constructs. And I think it's a call to our industry to say um, some disciplines like planning and forecasting that maybe maybe we've gotten a little accustomed to a measure of stability and maybe we're going to pivot from that. And we will begin to assume disruption as the new norm. Mike, I think there was a very quotable moment there uh, about two minutes ago when you said we talked about disruption and now we have been, well, externally an uninvited disruption, not the kind where you say, let's adapt to digitalization, let's get IoT, let's get machine learning, let's get all these quote unquote new technologies in to the manufacturing and the supply process. It has happened because of a health pandemic around the world. So we have left the normal where we invited disruption or we dealt with it. And now we're in the new or the next normal. Very well put. I want to thank so much Bill Newman and Mike Latkovic, Bill at SAP, Mike at Capgemini. I really appreciate your words of wisdom, your insights. You obviously both are very sharp and smart on this topic. OESA thanks you so much for your time. I can almost see and hear the listeners when we release this episode saying, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep, they're right on target. So thank you for sharing your insights and your expertise with us. I'm Bonnie D. Graham signing off for Automotive Insiders podcast presented by OESA. Stay safe. Stay well. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.